following is a teaching from Irving Bible Church. For more information on how you can join us on a Sunday or take your next step, visit irvingbible.org. Good morning, IBC. It is great to see you this morning. I am privileged to be able to kick off our Advent series this morning, Rediscover the Wonder. And when Barry asked me to do this first message in the four weeks of Advent in the series that's going to span four weeks um, and told me the name of it, Rediscover the Wonder, I, I thought, well, it'd be a good idea for me to look up wonder in the dictionary and find out what it is we're going to try to rediscover. So here's what wonder is from the dictionary. It's very simple. Wonder is to be filled with amazement, awe, and admiration. To be filled with amazement, awe, and admiration. We want to rediscover the wonder. We want to be amazed and awed and admiring of God's answer to his promise to send his son when Jesus came at Bethlehem. We want to rediscover the wonder of Advent. And I don't know about you, but I need to rediscover that. I made a big mistake yesterday. I went to the mall. (laughs) And I will tell you that at the mall, I did not discover any wonder about Advent. The the, the purpose of, of Advent was completely different at the mall than it is in the Bible. I went over there, I had to get a shirt. And I forgot what weekend it was. But I went over there at my lunch hour and good grief. There was a line of cars to get into the parking lot where there were no parking spaces. And so everybody there at the mall was fighting for parks. I mean, we were scoping it out, going up and down the rows, looking all up and down. And if if somebody even looked like they were going to pull out six cars converged and it was a big fight to the finish. When I finally got into the mall... And it was a big fight for all the 50% off sales in all the stores. This is Christmas in our modern American culture. Not a lot of wonder there. I don't think a lot of people that were fighting it out, duking it out in the halls and the parking lots of the mall yesterday realized what the real message of Christmas is. That in a particular place, 21 centuries ago, in Palestine, God sent his pre-existent son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to step out over the stars into a Bethlehem manger, the child of a virgin. He was announced by stars that guided the shepherds. And the wise men to where he was born. He was identified by angels. Who said to the shepherds. This one who was born in Bethlehem. His name. Is Jesus. Which means salvation. He is. The son of David, the fulfillment of God's covenant promise made a thousand years ago 
to send Messiah for the salvation of his people, Israel. And he is Emmanuel, God with us. You can get a little bit amazed and awed and admiring of that, right? Because that's the true message of Advent. In the Bible, there's a couple of people that we want to look at this morning who got the wonder of Advent. Unlike the people at the mall who are fighting for parking spaces and 50% off sales, Simeon and Anna in Luke chapter 2, and turn there if you have your Bibles. Simeon and, and Anna, they, they got it. They got the wonder of Christ's arrival. And if you look at verse 27 of Luke 2, Dr. Luke tells us about Simeon. On this particular day, 40 days after Jesus' birth, when his parents, Joseph and Mary, took him to Jerusalem to the temple. It says in verse 27, moved by the spirit, he, that is Simeon, went to the temple courts. He didn't know that the Holy Family was there to dedicate Jesus. He was moved by the spirit to go to the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant, me, in peace. In other words, I can go ahead and die now. Lord, take me on home. For my eyes have seen your salvation. I'm not going to see anything better than this the rest of my days on earth. So let me just come on. Simeon knew the wonder of Jesus' first advent. But Simeon's not the only one that day. In verse 38, we read about Anna. Anna was an 84-year-old prophetess who longed for salvation for her people as well. Who longed, just like Simeon longed, for the Messiah to come and to be able to see the Messiah. She longed for the Messiah to come and to bring salvation to her people. She apparently noticed the ruckus going on over here with Simeon. Taking Jesus in his arms and pronouncing amazing prophecies about what he's going to do and be. And her heart was drawn to this family and the baby because she too longed to see him. And it says in verse 38, coming up to them at that very moment, she, that is Anna, gave thanks to God and spoke about the child. To all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem, which is a metaphor for the coming of Messiah who would redeem Jerusalem. It's like the consolation of Israel that Simeon looked forward to. It's a metaphor for the coming of Messiah who would save his people. Anna and Simeon, on that day in the temple, unexpectedly to them, they had no idea why the Spirit led them to the temple that day. They didn't know this holy family was coming 40 days after Jesus' birth. But they went that day and they partook of some big time wonder at the first Christmas. And it had nothing to do with finding a good parking spot and getting a 50% off sale at the mall. It had everything to do with joy at the fulfillment of God's promise to send his son. 
they were surprised. I, I think if, if we could have had a video camera there and, and, and taped Simeon and Anna, I think whenever the spirit led Simeon there and told him, this is, this is the, okay, I promised you, you're going to see him before you die. This is the one. I think Simeon's mind was blown because I don't think Simeon was expecting a baby. I think Simeon, when he had been promised, and we'll see this in a minute, when he had been promised by God that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah, he thought, well, I'm going to see the Messiah when he's like a, a budding young uh, army officer in, in the Israelite forces that's going to overthrow the Roman oppressors in our country or, or some such. I, th- I, I think Simeon didn't have a category for seeing Messiah and guess what? He's a baby. I think Anna was surprised too at the amazing wonder of God's fulfillment of the promise of sending Messiah to be the consolation of Israel because she's 84 years old. She, she knew that God made the promise to send Messiah a thousand years before and a thousand years of generations of, of faithful Israelites had waited to see Messiah, but God had sent him. In her generation. And she couldn't believe that he sent Messiah to her. To poor people. As a baby. Fulfilling a promise. That he'd made all those years before. Simeon and Anna were just. Delirious. With wonder. They were full of admiration. They were full of awe. They were full of amazement. At the surprise of God, the way that he fulfilled his promise. There's an Italian painter from the 14th century, Lorenzetti. has a famous painting of this encounter. Of course, it's stylized as, as the Middle Ages uh, artists were. But it shows uh, the Holy Family, Joseph and Mary, and the, and the baby Jesus. And then Simeon and Anna greeting them. And... You know, you say, why are you showing us this? This is kind of weird. Anyway, here's why I'm showing it to you. Zoom in on Jesus right there. What's Jesus doing? What's the baby Jesus doing there? He is sucking his thumb. I think this was Lorenzetti kind of uh, mischievously demonstrating the wonder and the awe and the amazement and the delightful surprise that Jesus was when he was presented to Simeon and Anna as a baby. This is the wonder that they discovered. Fulton Sheen puts it this way, in a poor child brought by poor parents, making a poor offering, Simeon and Anna discovered the riches of the world. That is what we want for you. That is what I want for me. Is that like Simeon and Anna, I can discover the riches of the world. At the coming of Christ. So... The question is, how did Simeon and Anna position themselves to discover the wonder at the first advent? Because 
however they did it at the first advent is how we need to do it for the second advent. How did Simeon and Anna discover the wonder of Advent? Let's go back to Luke 2, verse 25. We go back to a fuller description of Simeon. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Just read those first. He was waiting. Okay, that's key. Don't forget that. Waiting. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Simple observation from the text. Simeon patiently waited a long time for Jesus to come. Now that's obvious. I'm I'm stating the obvious, but it's so important. Simeon waited patiently a long time. He endured Over decades in the hope of seeing Messiah's advent. The consolation of Israel. Now look at verse 36. And Anna. Anna was very old. (laughs) She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then was a widow until she was 84. I take it that she was 84. Here in Luke 2. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day. She served and worshiped, fasting and praying. Why? Verse 38, she was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. The coming of Messiah. Observation from the text. Anna patiently waited a long time for Jesus to come. Do you see the principle here? Simeon and Anna both endured for decades in the hope of Messiah's advent. That means that they continued to worship and serve, even though the promise of God had not yet been fulfilled. And the principle is this. The longer they had endured in hope, Simeon and Anna the greater their capacity for amazement, awe, and admiration for the surprise of God. That applies to us too, my friends. Our capacity for wonder is directly proportionate to waiting. Now, I know that's not the news you want to hear. It's not the news I want to hear. But it's a principle. Our capacity for wonder is directly proportionate to our waiting. I think that has something to do with human nature. It's like we don't appreciate what comes too early and too easy for us, right? It's like when you were growing up, the rich kid in the neighborhood always got the brand spanking new bike every Christmas, but then he left it out in the rain because he got it too early and too easy and he didn't take care of it. He didn't appreciate it. He was not awed by it. He was not amazed by it. He was not admiring of it. Like you would have been, like I was. We don't appreciate what comes too early and too easy. And our capacity for wonder is directly proportionate to our waiting. Now, let's bring this home. 
Anna and Simeon, through patient endurance and hope over decades, positioned themselves to receive the wonder, the awe, the admiration, the amazement at Christ's first coming. How can we position ourselves with wonder for Christ's second coming? It's simple. Do what they did. Do what they did. They were waiting for the first arrival of Messiah. We're waiting for his second coming. The second coming of Christ in scripture is that event which will usher in a descriptive way of living in Revelation 21.4 that all of us yearn for where it says that death and mourning and crying and pain will be no more. Second Peter 3 says that when he comes again, a new heaven and a new earth will, will, will come into existence where righteousness dwells. And all of this wonder and joy and happiness, the, the state of affairs where everything sad becomes untrue. It's triggered by what? The second coming of Christ. Revelation twenty two twenty. The one who testifies to these things says, and this is Jesus speaking, behold, I'm coming soon. That's what we're looking forward to. And basically, what Simeon and Anna teach us is that we will rediscover the wonder of his second coming if we will wait patiently, if we will endure in hope. Now, I don't like to wait. Do you like to wait? How many of you say to yourselves occasionally, I hope when I go out to do errands today that I just have lots of good waiting sessions. I hope I get stopped at every red light. I hope I get in the longest line at the grocery store when I check out. I hope that there's a pile up, you know, nobody hurt, but still, you know, that stops traffic on LBJ for like 30 minutes. And I just get to sit there. For, I, I love to wait. How many of you would say that? I'm going to have you examined if you raise your hand for that. I, 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 don't, I don't like to wait. About a month ago, I was picking up my daughter, Bonnie, at the airport. She was flying in from Austin. Alice was with me. and We picked Bonnie up, and we're, we're coming out of DFW through the toll, the toll gates at the end. You know, those, those long lanes, which are you know, lined with bu- concrete buttresses all the way back like 40 feet from the, from the toll gates. And I, you know... I do everything in my capacity not to wait. And so when I come up to those exit uh, plazas at, at DFW, I'm scoping it out from way back. Oh, th- th- those are full. Oh, but there's one that's... And I found one that was it had one car waiting at the thing and all the other lanes were like four or five deep. I made a beeline, man. I went right into the... And I soon found out why there was no, nobody else behind it. <laughs> Guy either didn't have his credit card. He didn't have a toll tag. But, he, you know, if he did have his credit card, he's having a 
He just couldn't get the, the gate to rise. And I'm sitting back there, me who just loves to wait. And I'm watching all these other lanes go by that I could have gotten in. And now they're getting ahead of me. And that's, that's why I hate to wait because I don't want people to get ahead of me. So with my wife and my daughter in the car, I threw my car into reverse. And I said, I'm getting out of this lane. There was nobody behind me, but I had to go back like 40 feet in between these concrete things. I thought, I'm a good driver. I can do this. So I started back. We're backing up. And I'm staying right in the middle of this narrow space. And, you know, I'm getting a little confident. I picked up speed a little bit. And I'm looking in this mirror. And all of a sudden, I didn't realize I just drifted slightly to the right. And I'm going back. And <laughs> whole side of my car and the bumper just wrecked on this concrete abutment. Here's what it sounded like. (laughs) Bonnie and Alice have been telling me, just wait, just wait. No, I'm getting out of here. So when I wrecked the car on the concrete abutment, I turned to both of them and I said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. (laughs) I hate to wait so bad. cost me $1,500 because I didn't like to wait. I think none of us like to wait. And that's the problem with the principle that we've discovered from Simeon and Anna. We hear that they waited. They patiently endured in hope. And that positioned them to be able to experience wonder Amazement, awe, and admiration at the fulfillment of of God's promise. But I don't like to wait. And my response to that is, I can hardly wait. And I don't mean I can hardly wait in the sense that I'm really anticipating it, like opening presents on Christmas morning. I can hardly wait. No, I'm saying I can hardly wait in the sense that it's so hard for me to wait. I can hardly do it. And I think it may be that way for you too. It's hard to wait, especially when waiting involves suffering. So many of us are waiting. We're Christ followers and we love the Lord. We look forward to a second coming, but oh man, it's hard to wait. It's hard for the single young person to wait to see if God has a mate for them someday. It's hard for a childless couple to wait week after week, month after month for a positive pregnancy test and it never comes. It's hard for someone who longs to have a meaningful job that has purpose in it that they train for, but they've never been able to get it. And month after month, they stay stuck in a rut and they feel lost. It's hard for a spouse to wait who feels trapped in a hurting marriage. 
hard for many of us who have debilitating and ongoing chronic diseases that suck the joy out of our life. It's hard for us to wait. It's hard for the heartbroken parent whose prodigal has never come home. All of these things constitute suffering as we wait. We don't like it and it's hard. Lewis Smeets puts it this way, waiting is our destiny. As creatures who cannot by themselves bring about what they hope for, we wait in the darkness for a flame we cannot light. We wait in fear for a happy ending that we cannot write. We wait for a not yet that feels like a not ever. (laughs) And yet what does God say to us in the Bible? In the Old Testament alone, 43 times God says, wait on me. Even when we're suffering, even when our longings go unmet, still wait, still endure in hope, still look forward to the coming of Christ a second time when everything sad will become untrue. Yeah. Why? Why, Lord? And the Lord answers us when we ask that why question. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. The apostle Paul writes, not only so, but we also glory, what? In our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character. And character, what? Hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Who has been given to us. Us. Isn't it fascinating? Paul says that what we need to keep going, hope, we get more of by keeping on going. Waiting, then, my friends, is part of God's process for us in which He wants us. To become in our character. Men and women who like Simeon are righteous and holy. Who like Anna worship and serve in the temple. A God who has made her wait 85, 84 years as a widow in Israel. You see, Anna and Simeon teach us that what God does in us while we wait is just as important to God as what it is we wait for. Now say that again. Simeon and Anna teach us that that what God does in his people, you and me, while we wait over sometimes months, years, decades, and lifetimes like Anna and Simeon 
is just as important to him as what it is we're waiting for. We think the second coming, Lord Mary, it has to come soon, Lord Jesus. And we mean it. And God says, okay, I know that's what you want. But what God says to us is, here's what I want to build in you while you wait for that. And building this in you is just as important to me as what you wait for, which is that. Waiting for God for his people. Enduring patiently in hope for Christians then. Is not God delaying his promises? It's shaping his saints. Shaping us. I experienced this myself a few years ago when I went through a little cancer valley and I got... Two years of chemotherapy and some surgeries. and Doesn't seem so long now, but looking back then, it seemed like forever I was waiting. Went into that valley, didn't know. I was stage four. Uh, they gave me an 8% chance of survival. And so I, you know, I, I, I entered into that valley pretty quickly saying, okay, Lord, <laughs> now's the time for you to show up. Now's the time, you know, bring some of that miraculous healing into my life. And he just kept me waiting. I've been 38 chemo treatments, two major surgeries, waiting, waiting, and waiting. But you know, once I understood that it was just as important to God what he built in me as to what I was hoping and praying and longing for, which was healing that I began to relax in my waiting and learn some of the lessons of wonder. I became amazed at the glory of a chocolate milkshake. I became amazed at the ability to step out of bed in the morning. A sunrise, a sunset to enjoy with my family. Little things that God taught me to be in awe of because I waited. So friends, I have a simple application. For us today in this first weekend of Advent at Irving Bible Church in which we are trying to rediscover the wonder. If you want to rediscover the wonder of how God fulfills his promises. You simply need to commit yourself to endure patiently in hope. I know that's tough. Because we all know that waiting on the Lord with enduring hope is a scary but confident, disciplined, but expectant, active, sometimes painful, clinging to a God that we're learning more and more in the valley to trust. Simeon and Anna modeled to us two people who endured patiently in hope for decades. And even though Messiah had not come, 
They continued to worship and serve God. Even though they had not yet seen Messiah. Anna and Simeon knew that what God was doing in them while they waited was just as important as what they were waiting for. And so they endured. They waited patiently. I call that enduring patiently in hope. I call it staying in the free fall. Because sometimes if, if, if you're, if you're in, in your life, you're still suffering with some, un, some deep disappointment or unmet need. That you're waiting for God to come through for you. It feels like you're in a free fall. But enduring patiently in hope is refusing to quit. It's staying in that free fall. Trusting that God is going to catch you. And therefore you will never bail out. My friends, will you do what Simeon and Anna did? Whatever pain and suffering and disappointments crowd your life and are robbing you of the wonder, awe, amazement, admiration of God's fulfillment of his promise. Will you commit to continue worshiping and serving God even in the free fall? Because you have hope that he's going to come through. Will you endure patiently in hope? Will you stay in the free fall? If you do, I guarantee you, you will, dis- you will rediscover wonder. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Irving Bible Church. For more information on how to join us on a Sunday or take your next step, visit irvingbible.org.